We are tonight's entertainment. You can't handle the truth. The fire rises. Pizza time. You're a wizard, Harry. So it be. You know how much I sacrifice? You think that's air you're breathing? Groovy. I don't have friends. I got family. We services. Hello, Trent. How you doing? Oh, you're not here? This is just a bit parts doing again. Yes, folks, sorry to say, we do not have our other co-host for this intro, um, as we're getting pretty busy, folks. Um, I'll get a little bit more into it after I tell you what I've eaten most recently. Most recently, I was over at friend of the sh- friend off the show but hopefully soon friend of the show Andrew Alexander's house um at college he's a year younger than me um one of Trent's cohort and he graciously invited me over to his house as they were making they were grilling on the barbie and they made me some sandwiches and vegetable type stuff um so that was pretty cool but what's pretty cool also is our intro music so why don't we just cut into it Welcome back to Craft Services, where we talk about the movies. Each week we talk about a film, and hopefully you have a crew member of that film to talk with us about their experience working on the picture. This week we are continuing our conversation with Maria Rushi, cinematographer of none other than Bottoms. Um, that's right. This is part two of our discussion with her, um, but also part two of our second interview with her so you could call that a part two of our part two with her yeah she gets into some specific scenes and overall just we have a mighty good time and really what else could you expect um so why don't i just stop making us all wait for it and just cue the interview So, Trent, unless you have any other questions, I kind of wanted to get into some, like, sort of go through the movie with, like, some specific scenes that we thought were interesting to kick go it, through. Kick it off, Parth. Um, yeah, so, like, uh, the opening-ish stuff in the movie takes place, like, I guess at a carnival. Um, and so if you could talk about shooting that stuff, um, just because I... Oh, always think a carnival is like a a very cool place to shoot oh yeah i'm it it is and yet uh it is not a cheap place to shoot um it that was a difficult location um just because yeah to shoot at an actual carnival like look there wasn't really one (laughs) and um so we had to bring in a lot of uh like decorations and kind of like booths and stuff like that but you know we had that was one of the locations we had maybe the most conversations about early on because shooting also at night it was over i think two nights um it's it's just hard it's expensive because you um need to put up a lot more lights um right and that yeah that costs money and so there was a brief time when 
um, we were kind of pitched on making that scene a day scene. And we thought about it and Emma and I were both like, man, it's like one of the first scenes of the movie, which I just think like the first 15 minutes basically of your movie, people are so critical. Like I really think you have to win people over in the first 15 minutes. And like, I, I, I think it's really valuable to put like, uh, as many resources as you can kind of like into that. Cause if you can make that shit look cool, like I think you buy yourself a lot of kind of um, credit for uh, later. And so we were like, it's like at night, a carnival romantic, like cool, fun, edgy. Like you've got all your like twinkle lights in the background and stuff. You've got all this boca, like the textures there. Um, and like, we're just sitting there picturing the scene being during the day. And we're just like, unsexy, boring, sad, romantic, like who's like, nobody cool is going to a daytime carnival. I'll tell you yep. that. Yep. So it was just like, no, we can't, we just can't do that. But so it's like, it is, there's just so much, um, that prep is mostly like a series of, do you compromise on this or not? <laughs> and, um, yeah, it's tricky to know what stuff's going to matter and what's not. And, uh, and I, I think that Emma and I were largely like aligned on those things, which really helps. Um, but, but yeah, so the carnival, um, we had, I think two days for the carnival. We shot also the parking lot scene. Um, that was, that location was genuinely right outside like that, uh, where they hit Jeff and um, it was tough. It like rained so much in New Orleans while we were there. That's where we shot. And uh, basically every evening it rained in like thunderstorms. So we'd get shut down for a little bit. Um, so we did end up having to cut down like a lot of coverage, but it kind of works out because again, I, I think like Emma and I were both really committed to like the look being important. So just, a lot of times we'd have to kind of cut um, like additional singles that we wanted to get. But um, but for the most part, we were able to design it so that like the meat of the scene would be covered in like the main coverage that we wanted. So for example, like when Rachel and I are kind of first walking in and they see like the hot girls and then they see like Matu, that was kind of our ode to like, the every high school has the intro kind of cafeteria scene where it's like, this is this group, this is that group. So that was kind of our homage to that. And, um, but we were able to keep kind of like a lot of exposition within that blocking and it gets them over to the area they need to be in. And so like, yeah, I think we just designed the, the blocking to like fit in with the, um, like, the main thrust, I guess, of the scene. So it made it easy to not kind of like fall back on boring coverage, I guess. And like a mini, I don't even know that I'm interested in talking about the scene necessarily, but a mini like visual that like even thinking about it, like makes me laugh is uh, when they walk into like the classroom for the first time and there's the football player in the cage mm. in the background out of focus 
Um, and it's unexplained until later on and you understand like, oh, that's what that was. And if you could talk about shooting that, because it's, it's like one of the weirdest, uh, with all due respect, like it, mm. it's like, it's like done really well. It's just like such a bizarre visual that goes unexplained. And it's like so funny to me. Amazing. That's so great. Yeah. I, um, I am obsessed with the cage. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it was I think like in, I think that was honestly one of the things that like kind of helps explain tone because yes. there were yeah. like, there were definitely a lot of conversations around like, it's a, what do you like? It's a cage. It's like a, like with bars and like, or like a dog cage is how big is it? And like, <laughs> we realized it kind of had to be on wheels because they clearly roll him around like from class to class, I guess. Like you end up having these conversations about like, okay, logistically, or is it like, do they fit this through the doorway? Like, how is this cage moving around? And, um, but I think it really, another thing we talked about a lot with like the classrooms was just how uh, it would be one of those classrooms kind of, again, from like classic high school movies where you're like, what class do they teach in here? There's like beakers and there's also like, like books, posters of books. And there's like, like, uh, history posters around like there's it's just always um generic ai class like paraphernalia yes. um <laughs> and i think we wanted in a way too for like the cage to feel that way because it's like oh yeah like you're in a classroom there's there's like some science stuff in the back jeff's got a beaker and they're like and there's the sort of guy in the cage for sure um and I think because it comes back later, it felt like, you know, we don't have to explain it right now. Yeah. I mean, it was like what locked me into the movie's tone, I feel like. Nice. Because before then, I was like, I think I get it. And then I saw that and I was like, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> you like say no more. Uh, so you mentioned Fight Club, which uh, I'm sure is like slightly an apt comparison, but I think comparing it like too much is like, because it, it's like so not like Fight Club at the end of the day. Um, but you mentioned uh, watching it and you mentioned, uh, and there's like a whole sort of Fight Club montage, uh, like when they're first like getting the girls together. And um, how, if I guess, how, if at all, it, did Fight Club uh, influence this movie? I guess due to the sort of inherent like people wanting to uh, put them together. Right, right. I mean, I think like, it's, it's interesting because I think um, I know Rachel and Emma really kind of tried not to watch it when they were writing, um, which makes total sense uh, because I think thematically it's largely unrelated, yeah. which I think is Im important. Yeah. Like, or I think that that made it that made me feel more comfortable including some of the visual language because I think if it were more thematically related, it would just be like. Why are you just trying to do like girl fight club? Like this is weird, but it's just, it's totally thematically a different thing. But we, there were, I mean, I am a big David Fincher fan and I think that there's a lot of good company <laughs> when he was yeah. named, when he was name dropped in the film, I, I was the biggest laugh in the audience just because it's so funny <laughs> yeah. to hear yeah. that name spoken in a narrative it's film. I know. I'm like, I am dying from like, somebody please get a video of like David Venture finding out about this movie and just being like, what? <laughs> <laughs> just be like, that, hmm. 
And then, and then that could be the whole reaction. Then he could skip to the next thing. Fully, <laughs> he'd be like, "I'm moving on, moving yeah. on." Um, but uh, have you have you seen David Fincher like reacting to like the five minute long applause at the Venice Film Festival? Uh, oh, he's yeah. like, "What the fuck is going on?" Uh, Martha, I thought you were gonna say during the COVID Oscars, or every time he lost. Oh no, not hey, that he took you, a you, shot. Yeah, yeah, he took a shot. But sorry. anyways, Oof. sorry to interrupt. Sorry, Just David. Remembered that. <laughs> Um, blessings to him. Um, we, well, so yeah, when Emma and I kind of started looking for our references, I started bringing in some of the visual language from Fight Club because I thought there was, well, first of all, I think again, when we were first looking through references, a lot of it's like, it's not just specifically to be like, this is going to be the camera movement. This can be this. It's to figure out like, tone like what are we kind of saying and like how are how have other movies said similar things and um and something i think is so interesting about fight club and so compelling is like the fighting obviously kind of represents something else for them and it kind of is a way for the men in this movie to like share intimacy in a way that like men are not really able to and there's you know and there was, it is so visually evocative because they're beating the shit out of each other. They're so bloody, but they're wearing like their regular clothes and they're smiling the whole time. Like they're blissed out. And that was something that I was really struck by and that we like took a lot of because um, there was conversations at the beginning of like, Maybe the girls have like a gym uniform that they wear or something, but we're like, these are teenage girls beating the shit out of each other. Like they need to be wearing their just like clothes that they're wearing to school. Like that's so, that's so great. And then like, they're having a great time, but they're bloody. Like they're just having a great time. And so I think there was a lot from that vibe that we took um, and and I think that they, the way that they block a lot of the the fighting in the Fight Club, um, in Fight Club, uh, is really smart and is really like, I think you're getting a sense of who's who's important and you're seeing the fighting in an interesting way. But um, and then the, it feels really full and you feel this like camaraderie. And so I think we took kind of a lot of notes from their blocking. But I think the way that it feels different is like we didn't really take any of the lighting at all. So I think part of what makes it, I don't know, part of what I found like fun and interesting about that was like, yeah, again, they're beating the shit out of each other, but they're in like kind of a well-lit gym. Whereas like fight clubs, so dingy and like dark and it's, it's moody and stuff. Yeah, exactly. And this is like, there's something that just fits our tone and our like parody so much better because the lighting is, it's like so much more lit. Um, okay. So I was wondering, um, uh, I was watching like, so yeah, the fight sequence and I was like, I think this is uh, I think this is a steady cam shot. And then I thought, I wonder what DP Maria Rushi's preferred method of moving the camera is. And so I'm asking you. Nice. Yeah. I, you know, I think 
I would say just what fits, I suppose, like for the shot that we've designed. Cause it's, you, you realize like a lot of the different ways to move the camera have like pros and cons to them, right? Cause steady cam is like pretty quick and fairly efficient um, because you're not having to lay track. You're not really stuck with that exact camera move, but you you're losing a little bit of precision. Um, so yeah, you're just, you're relying a bit on the operator to, to get it exactly right. And, and you're just, it's not going to be as like rock solid as using a dolly, for example. So um, we did use a lot of steady cam on this movie and a good amount of dolly. Cause we did a lot of those push-ins, like a lot of those push-ins I think are better to do with a little slider or a dolly or something, because that way you're getting it kind of like perfectly right every time. And if you're starting or landing in a locked off shot, like the steady cam is always going to give you a little bit of wobble to sort of bring it towards more the end of the movie. Um, you talked a little bit about the fighting when talking about sort of it's this movie's relationship to fight club, but the third act of this movie essentially features a battle scene. Um, and that is something I don't know that you had done before and sort of what was it like having to approach that, um, level of just like physical complexity, I guess. Yeah. I honestly was so fun. Cause I just, I really love action movies. So I was like stoked for it. And, um, I think a lot of the references that we used were, like I said, Edgar Wright, um, based and we also used kick ass like a bunch, but world's end was a, was a big one for us. Cause there's like a few, yeah, there's the fight scenes and that are just so, um, fun. There's, we realized that all the movies we were referencing had the same like, um, stunt coordinator, this guy, Brad Allen, who yeah, I guess, worked with Jackie Chan. Exactly. Yeah. He came from the Jackie Chan camp, I suppose. And it makes so much sense because you're like, yeah, the fighting is so funny. And it's like, you can really, like, they they use, they interact with the space and, like, with the people in a funny way. And I feel like the fighting is telling a story in a way that's, like, really fit our world. Like, um, so we kind of started, I mean, what's funny about fight scenes is, like, on the page, it just says, you know, the, they, the girls, like, fight the football players and, like, kick their ass, basically. And that's what it says in the script. So um, I kind of encouraged Emma to like break that down into like beats of story sort of. So we kind of together took like post-it notes and stuff and went through and we're like, okay, so, you know, we want like PJ to be fighting the main quarterback from the other team um and they like their fight is going to be the one that kind of we track throughout this like little sequence so you know maybe she starts and goes in and she's she's like doing okay she's like throwing some punches and then like and then she's like not doing great and then she's like she really looks like she's not gonna make it and then like somebody like Brittany 
comes in and kind of saves her. And that's a moment of reconciliation for them because they're kind of teaming up against the guy. And then PJ would kind of get the final, like something to really like give, lock in her victory. So that's kind of how we like broke down the sequence initially. And then we slotted in like moves to what those actually would be. And yeah, again, we took a lot of like inspiration from like stitching together, um, stitching together different moves and different like interactions between the girls to kind of tell a story and to, to do something funny and give them an opportunity to like look cool and see their moves. Um, and then we, I shot it all on my viewfinder app. So, you know, first time to do a lot of previs, like the, the actors are learning the moves and then I'll shoot the actual shot on my viewfinder um, you know, a lot of times you'll have like a fight choreographer or something who will, who will do that, but we didn't have enough money for that. So that was kind of us. And, um, that's basically like what the fight sequence is in the end. It's, it honestly, it's, it, it's even more, um, it could even be more like of a one but it was, um, condensed slightly just for like kind of time and pacing, but a lot of the stitched shots kind of made it in there together anyway. Um, it's like a lot of whip, whip pans and things like that. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how we like broke it down. We had a whole whiteboard of like post-it notes. So uh, did you say the explosions were real? It's okay if I misheard. Yeah. the um, We actually blew up Jeff's car. Uh, but the tree was visual effects, the tree at the end. Cool. So, uh, say for the car, which was real explosion, um, how, like, I'm sure if you're working on like transformers or something, like they'd blow up the car like 50 times if they had to. And like this being like a mid budget studio comedy, one that I love, uh, I'm sure it's like, you can only blow up the car like five or 10 times or something. Is that a correct? Like when you're, is your opportunity with the, just once? once we got one take three cameras one take um yeah but like on a bigger budget movie also there like the a second unit is going to be doing all that stuff Um, and so in a way it's like it's kind of fun to be at this budget level because like we were doing a lot of like the uh, even stunts and the fight stuff would get you know yeah um turfed to like a second unit director and it's like it, it was i really liked being the one still to be able to to execute it is, um, yeah, I, I think it helps just the cohesion and to tie all the pieces together. And, um, you know, we still had to kind of, that was one of the first sequences we, we photo boarded. That's like kind of a process that I've um, come to do on basically everything that I do now, which is like, you know, you have the viewfinder photos from my phone um, from the actual location of like what the shots are going to be. And then that goes in a document on my iPad. That's essentially an edit order often that shows what the sequence is going to look like, but it'll have little notes that are like, for example, the wide shot when Hazel's running away from the car and she's like, it's going to blow, it's going to blow. Like the car experience, we wanted the car to explode behind her and for her to kind of like dive out of frame, you know, the actor can't actually be 
in the shot if the car is exploding. So we knew that was going to be a visual effects shot. So it was going to be her actually running away from the car. Um, then it was going to be the same frame with the car exploding and without the actor in it. And those would get composited together. So all those little notes are in there. Cause again, the big, the hardest thing with like this scope and increasing in budget level and size, I felt was like making sure all the information was disseminated and that you had all the like pieces that you need for each set piece and stuff. And think nothing like fell through the cracks. Are there any visual effects uh, except for like the big explosion at the end and then some of the more like violent killing stuff? Is there any like sneaky effects in there? It's okay if the answer is no. Um, sneaky effects. I think there's like a few split screens. That's like a mm. trick I know. Oh, how David Fincher of, of you. A lot of editors use. Um, so I think there were a few of those. But not a ton. Cool. I guess the the last sort of bottoms question I'd like to ask is now that you've like finished the movie and can look at it in retrospect, um, what was the most difficult thing on the movie to work on? And what were you what are you most ultimately proud of? Um and they can be like the same thing or different things. Yeah. I mean, I, it is probably obvious, but like, I think the fight stuff at the end was like, I mean, it was, it was, it was tough. I think to, um, it was tough to get people to kind of like understand that that was going to be a real fight sequence. Um, and again, it's like, once you see it, it's so much easier to understand. But before we had shot any of that, it was like, I think that there was a sense that this was a like teen high school comedy. It was like, you know, there's no, well, I'm like, there's some explosions in super bad, but like, I don't, I think people were people, we had this sense that people thought the fighting was going to kind of like be like gir- like the girl version or something. It was going to be like, oh, surely you're not actually doing a fight scene. So I think initially not that many resources were like allotted there. We didn't have like a ton of like shooting time. Um, and so those are just the things, again, like scaling up, like uh, have and trying to make sure you're conveying the, what you need correctly so that you're, getting like the resources that you need it's really it is hard um so i think that was really tricky just because we had to work a lot to get (laughs) kind of what we needed which was like more stunt previs time more shooting time for like the the stunts at the end and um we did have a bunch of kind of like specialty gear for that stuff and and I will say the weather like never cooperated like it was always raining or thunder and lightning. Um, and actually for that last scene too, like a speaking of sort of sneaky VFX is like the, the, you know, we couldn't actually fill the stadium bleachers with, I don't know how many people, it was like a couple thousand people. So that required a lot of like tiling so it was, you know, having 200 extras, moving them around and right. then mm-hmm, creating mm-hmm. the plate that way. And, and 
it's expensive. So we were kind of limited in the number of shots we could do that faced that direction. So it's kind of like balancing, trying to balance all of that stuff and, but, but not making too many compromises. Um, I think it's tricky, but I think I, I'm glad we prioritized it because it does feel like it's a good payoff. Um, in, in that example, it's particularly a good payoff because it's like they turn around and then it's like, oh, there's like thousands of people just, who just watched us commit <laughs> this act of violence. So I, I think it, 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 it bred a really funny beat. Um, here's a second to last question. Uh, what are you working on now, if you're at liberty to say? Or what, what, what what's next? Yeah, man. Well, um, it's a weird time. It's a weird time. Oh, yeah, for obvious reasons. Oh, is something going on right now? Mm, just the normal stuff. No, sort of the whole industry is changing. Um, you know how it is, again. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's pretty crazy out there. Like, I'm, it's both thrilling and terrifying because I'm like, this is such a cool moment to, you know, of like – solidarity and like union consciousness and like trying to take some of the power away from these big studios who are all they're giving us is like marvel and um like toy sponsored movies and like what a good opportunity to make independent content or like even just smaller studios that are willing to agree to better (laughs) ages and um like giving letting more people in on the success of the movie that they made like it just is insane to me that like the crew who literally makes the movie doesn't get any piece of of it and it's like all these people sitting in an office who are um benefiting from it and deciding what gets made but um so i'm excited that hopefully something fresh will come from this um but right now it's a little bit of like waiting i'm i'm like attached to a few things but they're all kind of like strike dependent which um is tough so i'm working uh i'm kicking around instead the idea of a cooperatively owned studio that's my pitch it's owned by like crew members basically and the people who actually make movies and understand how movies are made and um and they would all the people yeah making the film would own a piece of it so that's my idea i think that makes i think that makes too much sense to happen in this world you know that's such a good point what's yeah. your point i'll keep dreaming though sorry just at the just at the rate we're at, at the speed we're headed um part <laughs> you, you think it's time for the big kahuna final question uh yeah i i th- yeah it's something uh you've faced before um but uh the big kahuna final question is it's back for you what's the mm-hmm. last great film you watched and it can be a first time viewing or a rewatch man it's funny it's funny that we're back here oh actually well i will say it's actually perfect because i recently rewatched constantine oh was did last time did you say john wick 4 it was either John Four or Point Break or something. It was yes. like so we were oh, on the counter train. I remember. Train. I remember that. Yes, we were on the counter train. And look, I haven't gotten off 
Wow. I'm still Perfect. on it. I still have um, to see Constantine. It's a blast. It's a blast. It's so silly. It's so funny, though, because you can tell everybody, like, so many people who worked on it, like, watched The Matrix, you know? Yeah. It's, and that's kind of what I mean of, like, the Fight Club thing of, like, if we were copying the camera moves, like, the blocking and the lighting and the themes, it's like, okay, well, so you're just making Fight Club again. And I feel like Constantine sort of does that because the it's the, it's very similar but it's still sweet and tilda swinton plays the archangel gabriel sick oh just, okay cool so awesome and, and t- maybe we're getting a sequel to it so oh i didn't know that i was gonna say tilda swinton is uh is the second lead in david fincher's upcoming new movie just to tie it all together we're just trying wow. to tie it all in and we're just yep. trying to get David Fincher's attention, and yeah. hopefully it works. I, I thought about that yeah. that statement after you made it, and I guarantee, like, I I don't think he's gonna like tweet about it or something. No offense, but I guarantee he's he's like someone mentioned it to him. Someone had to have sent him like a TikTok. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I, well, yeah. David Fincher watching a TikTok. <laughs> That's interesting. He's. I think uh, like. He has to, like, take his glasses off. To yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I say yeah. we try to cover this in our next, in our next episode. Yeah. <laughs> a, 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 the, next, the next awesome movie, UDP, uh, you are more invited to be our first third-time guest. Since you are our yes. second second-time guest, you'll be our first third-time guest, if that works for you. What a dream come true. Yeah. Yes. Uh, many, Thank you so much, yes. uh, Maria Rushi. For coming on again she came on for shiva baby and now she's on or was on for bottoms which uh, we'll is now in a theater near yes. you and everyone should see it as quickly as possible it gave me the giggles this morning awesome thank you what an interview Thank you so much to Maria Rushi for coming back on the show. It truly was a pleasure to have her again, and we hope to make her a three-time guest. As I alluded previously, it's going to be a weird couple of months for craft services. We still definitely are going to be getting you weekly episodes, but um, it's going to be a little strange. Trent's still in college. I'm no longer in college, and I have started directing my feature film. Um, More news on that later, I guess, when there's more news to tell. But yeah, it's an exciting time, but a busy time. And uh, things might be a little weird as far as both hosts being able to make it for every episode, but we are going to do our damn best. Um, But anyways, again, thank you, Maria Rushi, for talking with us. Next week, you you can join us as we discuss Bottoms. I promise we will both be there for it. Other than that, you can go check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Pandora, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcasts, we are there. And you can check us out on social media, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, Other than that, see you next week, folks.